listening to the First Day Pod. This is episode number 39. On today's show, we have a very special guest, licensed professional counselor, Matthew Gobier. Please go to matthewgobier.com for more information. On the show, Leanne and Michael, your generous hosts, will talk with Matthew about mental health, COVID-19, addiction, trauma, and much, much more. So get ready to learn a thing or two on the First Day Pod. Hello, everyone. Welcome into the First Day Podcast. This is episode 39. I am Michael Govier. I'm one of the hosts of the show. You may know me from such things as the First Day Podcast and every previous episode prior to this. Pleasure to have you aboard. My co-host Leanne Hello is also here. Hi, Leanne. Hi. How are you guys doing? I'm, I'm doing good. I feel like I haven't seen you in a while, Leanne. Where you been? Yeah, I, I don't know. I've been hiding behind the screen. <laughs> I know you know. Well, I got great news. We have a very special guest today. Uh, we do. Yes, he's right in the middle, in between us. If you're watching the live stream, then you can see him. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, let me do the podcast introduction. Matthew Govier is a licensed professional counselor, certified alcohol and drug counselor, many other titles. Also, he is my brother. It's true. Yes, we share the last same name. I am very excited to have Matthew Govier on the show for the very first time. Welcome, Matt. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the introduction, Mike. Good to see you, Leanne. Hey. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. It's an honor. And uh, yeah, looking forward to the next hour or so and uh, see where this takes us. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. We're thrilled to have you here. We've been working on this podcast all year long, and now we've led to December. And we have Matt on. He's a certified licensed counselor, a lot of experience in the mental health field with addiction, family trauma, all kinds of trauma. I mean, there's so much. He knows things about COVID-19. We're going to get into all of this stuff very soon. But first, don't forget to follow us on all of the standard podcast formats. Spotify, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcast. If you don't mind, We'd, I think we'd like that, wouldn't we, Leanne? Wouldn't that be That'd nice? be awesome, guys. Thank you. Yeah. We'd be very grateful. We'd appreciate your support. Everybody who watches the show on the live stream every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, we thank you. Those that are here now, hello, hi. And, of course, to the book club on Monday nights, those who participate in our First Day Pod book club every Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time. We're finishing up Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now. How do you, Matt, how do you say his name? I've always said Eckhart Tolle, and then you told me it was Tolle, and then I'm like, Tolle? Okay, so now that's stuck in my head since, like, what, four <laughs> years ago? But I always said Eckhart, it's Eckhart Tolle. Yeah, I went back to Tolle myself, so, yeah, it is. <laughs> okay. Tolle. That's what I thought. I thought that's what it was introduced to me as, so. Yeah. I've gone full circle. So we're uh, finishing that up, Leanne. How much? Uh, how much Which one? Have? A New Earth or Power of Now? Power of now. We did a new earth the last uh, round and um, now we're doing one chapter a week. So we've got eight, nine, 10. So like another three weeks. So January, I don't know, like eighth or something is going to be our last week. Oh, and um, next week in the book club, we are going to be randomly selecting the next book. That way it gives us enough time to be able to buy the next book and get set up for the next book club. So if any of you guys are listening and you want a specific book, um, even if you don't want to come to the, what is this? Ooh, letting go. 
The Ooh, pathway of Hawkins. surrender. That's a suggestion. Okay, I'll write that one go. down. Um, Hawkins didn't. I yes. know that. Yes. Okay. So anyway, power so, versus force. Yes, that's the one. Yes, there it is. Yeah, power that's the one. Force. Yeah. yeah. When we used we never to, finished we, that one, Leanne. So. Yeah, because we were just doing it while we were it's together. A it's a lot. It's dense. Just, it was it's very dense. Uh, letting go is uh, not as dense. It's more. It's easier to digest. Let's just okay. say that. Awesome. Well, then we'll put it on the list. If any of you guys listening have any suggestions, uh, you can let us know. And then what we're going to do is just kind of throw it all in a random generator and pick the next book. So, um, yeah, we'd love to have you. Yeah, it was pure chance that we did the second toll book. We did. We just had it on the list. It was a random number generator and it magically came. Was it, though? it really it wasn't. wasn't. No, we the Google random number generator. They have yeah. no idea what we're doing. The it universe does. Did. It responds to intention. Mm -hmm. interesting. interesting and i had huge intention going into that book that i that i that's what i wanted i was trying to convince everybody in the book club to do it and then we're like that's not fair let's just randomly select it and then boom we had changed the program we got it uh -oh. <laughs> i wish i was techie nope <laughs> how are you anyways yeah. that's the book club every monday night 8 p.m easter time come and join us there and of course we appreciate you being live with us. You can ask questions. You can participate. Matt is open to hearing from you. This is an opportunity. If you've ever wanted to ask a question about, you know, what's it like being a counselor? What does it take? Uh, background information on mental health field. Matt has a lot of experience in this. So he's here to help and he's here to be of service to others. If you know or have yourself issues with addiction, however you define that, Matt can has a lot of experience with that too. He deals with people. Matt, you have, I mean, how many years now, how many people have you seen struggling with what we call addiction to substances and things of that nature? So I was actually talking to a client about this um, earlier today um, through various formats that I work through. So I work for a local um, hospital organization. And then I also work for um, an online organization doing online therapy. Um, which is basically this. So it's a video chat modality. And then I also have a um, private practice that's, well, I work for a company. We'll just say that it used to be a private practice, but now it's like expanding and that's another company. So um, in this field, this is very common to diversify, you know, work for a few companies and things like that. Um, I've been doing this practice for six years now. Mm -hmm. And the amount of people that I've worked with, um, with, Specifically with one company since June, I know I've worked with 187 different clients. Um, wow. And I thought that was interesting because they track that. And then I thought I used to track it, but I was like, this, I track too much stuff. Like, <laughs> so, you know, they have the software, so it just tracks it. And then I was looking at it, you know, like 187. So why does it tell you that? Because when you're finished um, or when they end their membership or, you know, when um, counseling is terminated that's mm -hmm. the word for it too you know the treatment assessment it termination oh, you know, wow. like, come on i think we should use just different language here mm -hmm. but anyway when uh treatment ends or is terminated then there's a series of questions that are asked it's like an exit survey okay and one of the questions is was this useful was the therapist useful or helpful and then you just get yes or no it's binary oh so out of 187 um, 97% said yes. Wow. I was like, wow. 
Oh, I'm so happy you're here. Else's numbers, so I don't know if this is really like. It, does everybody say yes? I don't know. You know? Yeah, I don't. I, so I was talking to a client about that. He's like, "No, I've had like five other therapists." So I well, definitely you know that. No. People do shop around a lot, so I think you should take a lot of pride in that. And uh, obviously, you do very good work because you take time and you put your genuine effort into it. And my brother's very genuine. Matthew is a genuine human being. I know that. Uh, as long as we've known each other, which is both of our entire lives. Uh, well, your entire life. No, my entire life. No, yours. As long not. as you've known me, is your yeah, entire, my life. entire life. <laughs> At any rate, uh, yeah. So this is the first day of pod. We're excited to have Matthew aboard. We're going to dive into some questions, some thoughts, and various musings about a couple of different topics. If you have questions, you can type them in the chat to the right here on the live stream. If you're listening on the podcast, we thank you for following the show and listening along. Remember, you can email the show, firstdaypod at protonmail.com. We're happy to take further questions on the email. And don't forget, this is something I also want to stress. It's also in the little scroller on the bottom. Matt's website, behavioralhealthlabs.com. You can also go to, is it correct? You can still go to Matthew Govier, right? Yep, MatthewGovier.com. Is that what you prefer now? or You can go anywhere. Okay. <laughs> but they both leave the same place, right? Um, they're two different websites, but they'll take you to um, different, like, uh, so, so they're two different websites, but yeah, they'll take you to sub pages within the website um, that has to be integrated at some point. There's a lot of good info on both of them. Aesthetically, MatthewGovia.com appears to look better because it's a different format, but um, yeah, I guess it just depends on if you're on a phone or a computer. They do um, look different. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mobile desktop. The behavioral health labs looks great and it's been revamped. There's a lot of videos on there that are short. So they're like five minutes and they're cartoons. Ooh, people, people love cartoons. cartoons. Yeah. Very uh, um, helpful. Don't forget to tell people also you're so Friday nights you're doing what, well, I originally heard you call it, you know, community education, but I think it's been reformed. What are you doing on Friday nights? So people know. Uh, Friday nights, I, well, what is it called? Because I changed the name a few times. So officially, I'd hear anyway, this is what it says. So it's um, Friday night information and expanded educational series. So basically it's uh, 12, well, we're on lesson five this week and there's 12 total. And the whole point was to um, help people out, give them some information that is accurate. It's researched. It comes from a professional, so it's not hearsay um, to clear up um, truth versus falsehood, basically. To clear that up is really important in these times. And a lot of people have a lot of questions, and they're very confused. So, so it's um, interactive, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's interactive. Yep. So I go over a presentation for the first half hour. The last one went a little long because there was a lot of info, but um, first half hour and then take questions after that, or even questions in between. Yeah. It's so informative guys. Like I'm so grateful because (laughs) him now being family, I'd have to like, be like, Oh yeah, no guys really go. Actually, I've been telling people to really go, even if like we weren't going to be related. Um, it is so cool to be able to have, you have so much data. It's not just like we're hearing it in the news or we're hearing it here or somebody said like, you have so much data and everyone that I've been to in the beginning, I get really like, oh gosh, this is a lot to take in. Oh my gosh. And then I feel like I'm going to leave crying. 
And then he's like, he's so good at just explaining it to you. I've never been good with like hearing a bunch of like fact stuff. So then I hear it and then he is able to tell you what it means for real life. And so, um, and there's always optimism. I don't know if you're doing that. I don't know, but that it's, I'm glad that there's optimism at the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. You got to leave people with hope. It's, so what's interesting is um, Mike and I were talking about this uh, beforehand, before we started this evening and like uh, kind of what brought me here to this point yeah. and like, why am I talking about the things that I'm talking about? So anyone that knows me um, personally or professionally, um, an axiom that I live by is all behaviors are biological. And then boom, okay, now we've got controversy right there. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now I've just taken a positionality and it's an opposing positionality from what most people understand as how behavior works. So if behaviors, thoughts, emotions, everything about psychology is biology, everything about biology is psychology. So what I've been saying lately is that we are a bioelectrical molecular self-replicating um, organism that interacts with the external and internal environment. And the programming that we have causes that interaction to unfold in a specific way. For me, it looks like this. For you, it looks like that. For you, it looks like that. And that's it. That in itself is absolutely freaking amazing. Like, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and the human, the human being, to quote um, Jamie Metzl, is his name, uh, who sits on the board of the World Health Organization, um, like genomics and it's a genomics ethical board. So he says the human being is complex, but it's not infinitely complex. It's actually finitely complex and we are closer to closing that gap every day that's exciting yeah yeah, isn't it? yeah. i know one of your focuses has been the de-intellectualization de of america it's been we've been de-intellectualized in a sense and you take a lot of pride in making sure that you bring data that is great facts that you can support your argument with clear, understood analysis that, you know, it could be argued, debated, but it can't be refuted. So you're not going to come to the table with one of these Friday night sessions with a lot of hearsay, secondhand knowledge and stuff that you haven't personally researched yourself, correct? Yeah. My opinion means nothing. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, if you know my brother Matt, he means that. He's not just saying that. It's very important to him. And he's gone another level than I have in terms of like data. It's this is really impressive. So we're going to talk more about that. And don't forget, Matt is a counselor, a certified professional mental health counselor. He's got graduate degrees in mental health counseling, addiction counseling. He's board certified addictions counselor, certified clinical trauma professional, certified clinical anxiety treatment professional, certified telemental health professional. So, Matt, are you uh, currently taking new clients at this time? Uh, yes. Yes, I am. So we're accepting new clients right now. Um, yeah, all you gotta do is look me up. You can go to the website. Um, we actually have a schedule, a self-scheduler right on there. So if you'd like to schedule a consultation, you can just go on there and you can schedule it in yourself and it'll ask you four questions, I believe. And that's it. It takes less than 60 seconds to do it. You pick a time that's open 
and that works for you and we'll get back to you. You so. could theoretically be any in the world, anywhere in the world. Isn't that correct? So yes, this is complex. This is why the last one that you said, um, uh, certified telemental health professional. Um, there's so many moving parts because of COVID-19 and the way that, well, um, telehealth has evolved over the past year. Well, specifically since uh, March of this year, um, they actually lifted all the laws. So the way that licensing works is that each individual is licensed within the state that they live in. So I'm licensed in the state of Michigan, because that's where I live. You can be licensed in another state also. You can have dual licensure if you live in two states. Um, but that would mean that you can only practice in those states. Uh, now, because COVID-19 has produced this mental health or behavioral health pandemic, um, there's not enough behavioral or mental health professionals to, there's not enough supply of them to meet the demand of the help that people need. And we don't want to bring people together. We want to physically distance, right? Well, sorry, we want to bring people together, but we want to physically distance, right? right? Okay. So that would mean that we'd have to use telehealth. So what um, happened on a federal level and then a state level was they lifted all the laws that said you cannot practice um, outside the state that you live. So right now that's still in effect. And that's in effect as long as there is an official declaration of a COVID-19 emergency pandemic or epidemic. So when you hear the governor in the state of Michigan say, we're in a COVID-19 state of emergency, that means we have to go ahead to do that. Okay. Wow, a lot okay. of people implications. Wow. So that is fascinating. It's who hasn't had a telehealth appointment at this point in 2020. I feel like everybody seen a doctor or a counselor or any yeah. type of uh, helping professional has probably experienced this by now. Yeah. So then what happened is um, the APA, the American Psychiatric um, Association, actually, uh, they just submitted some legislation yesterday, I believe, or it was, yeah, I think it was yesterday um, that they want to keep uh, these laws in place permanently. Nice. Now, would that just be for America then? Like, would you be able to help Canadians? So, yes. Okay. If, if it's in, so this is what's different. So, if, okay. Insurance companies say, if you have, okay, say I have, um, I have an insurance company and I live in the state of Michigan. Mm -hmm. That means that I could, I have to be in the state of Michigan in order to receive um, therapy or services of any type and have my insurance pay for it. Okay. You remove insurance, that's no longer an issue. Right. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Good question, Leanne. I wonder the same thing myself. We have Canadians who are dedicated to the show. In fact, one of them is the host of the show, Leanne. Hello. Our, mm -hmm. our, uh, oh, you're resident. From What's that, Matt? You're from Canada? <laughs> me yes i'm from canada <laughs> congratulations thank you all right well let's get into some of the details matt you started off we have a doc that we do and whenever we do a show we try to put together like a google doc with the people we do it with it depending on who we're talking to it's a little more formal it's a little more organized and you had this quote about mental health is a commitment to reality at all costs yeah scott m peck yeah well what does that mean to you? What does that mean to, to us? What I mean, obviously, it seems to me it's a 
exposing yourself to reality, not denying yourself, not hiding from things. It's about facing everything that's going on in your world. You hit the nail on the head, man. Hey, look at me. I did Aww. it. Okay. Show's over. Winner. We can wrap it up. <laughs> I no, mean, but I do you said it better myself, yeah. Do you do you share things like this with your clients in terms of like sharing them with quotes about, hey, you need to understand that hiding is only going to limit you. If you try to deny or because we all know denial is huge. We talked about it last week with Judy and Dave Wolf. Denial. It's a common. Don't even theme. know I'm lying. Don't even notice I'm lying. Right. That's the acronym from the recovery community. Recovery community yes. loves acronyms, you know, don't acronym everything. Right. So don't even notice I'm lying. Oh, wow. I've never yeah. heard that before. Or wait, yeah. why am I talking? <laughs> I haven't heard wait, but I've, I forgot about the denial one. I heard that one a while ago. But yes, the recovery community, when we say recovery community, we mean the 12-step community generally. Is that fair to say? Yes. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Yeah. 12-step, NAAA, all the uh, anonymous groups, and we're not talking about smart or other areas. But when I... Look, let's get into this a little bit. So addiction. Addiction to you is something that you and I have discussed off air, but I feel that addiction and addicts and the 12-step recovery, they put labels on themselves. Dave Wolf, and I'm not Dave, I love you out there. You we're gonna have you back on the show every month. I have no beef with Dave at all. But Dave Which is by the way, I'm gonna just go don't in and let it controversial, controversial, man. Don't don't dare do that, you know, like oh no. no. <laughs> Uh, but I did want to say Dave had um, the baby. Well, Dave oh, didn't Kelly have the baby. the baby. Kelly had the baby. Yeah. Yay! So congratulations, Kelly and Dave. Congratulations. Yeah. Yes. But if you Go listen ahead. to our show last week, if you've listened to the Wolves come on our show, they, Dave says, I'm an addict. I can't do this. Or I can't do that. And that's how he lives his life. And I am not here to sit in judgment of anyone. But you're a professional mental health counselor. You have experience in the helping profession, Matthew. How do you respond to this type of attitude i would call it an attitude great question um how do i respond i would say whatever works for the individual um if that's working for them then outstanding um if it takes you to a place of health and wellness keep doing it um if it's um helping you thrive in all domains of life um so like work, so occupationally, socially, uh, you're physically healthy. Um, so, you're, you know, you're fit, your body is working well. Um, things are going good for you with your family. I would say keep doing what you're doing then. That's what I would say. Well, live and let live. That's what you say. Yeah. Or easy does it. Right. These are more slogans from page 133. Yes. Yeah. But you work daily in this field. And so, you don't, not that you can get into tales of private clients, I'm not saying that, but you don't give like a, a, a model or you let people, do, if someone comes in and is like, yo, this is working for me, you're like, okay, great, cool. Yeah. Usually people don't come and see me if anything's working for them. <laughs> I know. That's what they're not working for them. That's what I'm saying. So you, so you do have, you offer guidance and advice and based on your experience oh, no, 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 no 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 not not advice no so, so um that's sorry um i just want to clear that up um i i'm very adamant about providing solutions 
So it's one of the tenants, one of the three tenants of the company that um, I help co-found. So we provide behavioral health solutions and not advice. Anyone can provide advice. Mm -hmm. Solutions are applicable to help people change their life in a positive way or in a helpful way for them. I don't want to even call it negative or positive, whatever is helpful for them and their community. Good distinction. Yeah. Yeah. No, that I'm glad you brought that up. See, cause these are little pieces. These little semantic points are important for people to understand. And I know that you take every word you say quite seriously and you're very literal about what you try to uh, project and how you do your work. You know that. Yeah. yeah it's, laughing. Like, it's like this uh, neurological thing. So, right. But yeah. So, you're absolutely right. That's how it manifests. So let's talk a little bit about 2020. It was a long year for some. A lot of people love describing this as the tough year, the year from but, hell. You want to, um, well, hold on to back up before we jump into that. Sorry. Yeah. The, um, so like, what, what do we do? I say, if something's working for them, keep doing it. Um, but for a model, so I, I use um, whatever therapy model is going to help fit the individual the best. And what I find lately though, and which most of the research shows and most medical doctors are being trained in now is acceptance and commitment therapy. Mm -hmm. And one of the co-founders is uh, Dr. Stephen Hayes, who suffered from severe panic and anxiety. Um, and he was able to overcome it. And then he put together this model. So within the acceptance and commitment therapy model, the whole idea is to reach psychological flexibility and psychological flexibility is the hallmark trait of what we'll call psychological wellness. All right. Part of this is to see the self, like a concept of self. This can get deep, right? Okay. So what's a self? That's Let's go back to Carl Jung, right? This is, this is where it starts. So Jung talked about the self. Uh, Freud talked about the ego. Jung talked about the self. That's J-U-N-G, by the way. Yes, Jung, right? It's Jung. Um, and the self comes from this concept of what are your core values? Okay? So core values will help to build a concept of self. So acceptance and commitment therapy looks at what your values are, so what you hold to be important. So like this phone has a certain value on the market but it has a different value to me mm. because it's got all my data on it. So now this phone is more valuable to me than it is on the market. Okay. So people's values can be different. What one person values could be different from what another person values. So once we understand our values, we have committed action to those values, that committed action to values. What that does is it provides coherence between who we believe we are and what we're doing in the world. Okay. All right. So when that uh, becomes off base, then what occurs is um, you have like anxiety because you have cognitive dissonance, like anxiety, depression, stress, all of it comes from that. Can you give an example of where that would be? Like where you would have the difference between the two? Yeah. So, um, well, what's something that you value? <laughs> I thought it was food, but now I'm realizing it's not. <laughs> okay. So you don't, okay. So no, it is food still though, but it's a certain kind of food, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you value. 
Okay, I value. Uh, let's go to another one because this is when I'm gonna yeah, start. I'm still right. having a, a struggle with it. Um, okay, so I value honesty. That's one of the big things that I value. Perfect. This is a wonderful uh, value. It's a strength too. So honesty in itself. Okay, so you value honesty. So then, what happens when you're dishonest? Yep. There you go. Okay. So right there, that's a physiological response to it. So what I've been saying lately is you're your own tuning fork. So ah. there you go. So you're tuning yourself to what it is that you align yourself with. Right. So I would, if we were working together in a, um, a professional capacity, I would say, okay, well, okay. So you want to tune yourself so that you meet your values in that way. Right. Okay, and that's, that's the example. I mean, you, that's the felt experience of it right there. This is why telehealth works too. See, we just had like experience of feelings and emotions and rearrangement through boxes yeah. on a screen here. So Right. And that's huge because that's what a lot of people are saying is that you don't have that, but like you tapped into that super quick. <laughs> yeah. See, it's really easy. It's easy to do. I so the, the next part of that is the self because I want to get to what Mike's point is, or yeah. 2020 stuff. So yeah. the self, um, attachment to a concept of self when we are attached to a concept of self, what happens? Well, what happens is, hey, somebody loves that. Cool. Mm -hmm. uh, so when we're attached to a concept of self, then what occurs is that we do not have flexibility. We become inflexible or rigid, right? Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't know, maybe like sometimes I miss the boat on things. So I just put this together with like, addiction to the 12 steps and like people's identity with self and all this stuff a few months ago. And I've been using this therapy modality for a while with people. And I'm like, oh yeah. So if I say my name is so-and-so and I am this, well, now I've just attached myself to that. And anytime we attach to a concept of self, according to the acceptance and commitment therapy model, which is well-researched and has a high efficacy rate as far as bringing people to health and wellness, um, much higher than 12-step programs, which are at 11% efficacy rate. If, and that's through the best metadata yeah. study analysis they can I was find. Say, that was, that's pretty generous. <laughs> wow. That's the best studies you can find. So uh, I just want to know what works. You know, When you're uh, admitted to school, they don't just let anybody in. They want to know what your grades are. Mm -hmm. right? So right. Damn right you gotta you gotta prove to them hey this is what i do this is what works okay so um so if you're attached to a concept of self usually you're stuck in rigidity when you see self as context it's fluid every time we change environment every time a second goes by context changes if we're attached to the concept of self we are going to be stuck in rigidity. We have to be able to flow. Life is movement, life is flow. And if we're not flowing, well, we're stagnant, right? Mm -hmm. We're rigid. We go into rigor mortis, we get stiff. We, well, we don't exist anymore. Poof. Right, oh. that's another option. Interesting, oh. okay. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. By the way, we're, no, you're doing great. We're talking live with Matthew Govier, licensed professional counselor, certified alcohol and drug counselor, many other qualifications. He knows a lot about mental health. He works in the field. Go to behavioralhealthlabs.com, matthewgovier.com. These are sites if you're looking for assistance on education or you need help. 
Matt is here to be of service. So let's get back into 2020, Matt. Like I said, hold on one second. We're just not going to get into 2020. So what? what? No, I'm just oh, joking. Man, man, this is like what's going. <laughs> but we have on. so much time here. I know. I swear, but I just... Like we didn't talk before the show. Like we wasn't planned. <laughs> I just I just want to tell everybody because if they're it's fine if they're watching the the video they can see how behavioral is spelt but if you're listening to it and you're Canadian oh. there is no U in behavioral. I just want to make sure uh, that they find it. I'm sorry, you're right. You always mention that, and that was very thoughtful. It's a big deal. Yeah. I, I never. The, the, wow. Yeah, she's right. She brings it up every time that we should. every time we bring up the website name. She's. Make sure to take care of our well, I'm Canadian. Sure Google would take care of it for you too, but I just don't want you to put it in there and then it doesn't generate. And then you're like, oh, I don't know what it was. So Let's that's it. Nothing. Right. Edwards. Edwards. Okay. So take three. 2020. Heard it was a rough year. Matt, uh, what is your analysis of this? Do, do you think people put labels on things and then to their own detriment or. How do you view that? Because I also want to talk about the fact that 2020 obviously was changed forever by COVID. And you have dealt a lot in COVID data. In fact, some of your Friday night seminars have been about that topic exactly, which is exclusively data driven. I want people to know this. Matt just says, he doesn't go on like rambling rants about, yeah, you know, COVID, what, you know, it's really dumb. And my cousin had COVID and, you know, I don't know if it's real or not. No, he would never, ever say anything like that. These are very legitimate foundational structured seminars, presentations, interactive activities. So Matt, go ahead. The floor is yours. The question 2020. Yeah. Well, 2020 is a year of confusion and struggle for many. Uh, do you offer not advice? Cause you would never do that, but how do you help people come to terms with a world that changes so quickly? One that was built, you know, we're human beings. We're built on communication and connection and social engagement. And it's been limited to things like this that we are doing right now. Yeah. So I like to start, um, we can go back to Scott M. Peck, which is mental health is a commitment to reality at all costs. So the reality of that situation is not true. The reality is that we are more connected now than we were in 2019 and 2018. Wow. How so? Um, we were more disconnected then. Um, we were more in our own worlds. We were physically closer, but psychologically further apart. And you say that. this because you believe that, Leah? Yeah, everybody was complaining about it. That like you would go to, I remember I would go to like restaurants and you would just see couples on their phones. So they're together, but they're not even communicating and you see it everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what you mean, Matt? Yep. That's exactly, that's exactly what I mean. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's the truth of it and that's how it goes. So sometimes it takes a, a crisis to motivate change in people. Um, and that crisis will occur whether we want it to or not. Uh, now, the other truth of this matter is that we've lived in the golden era of disease-free living. So for about the past 60 years, um, we have been mostly free of um, epidemics and pandemics from disease. There's been some outbreaks here and there um, as far as Ebola AIDS, um, AIDS uh, HIV as obviously the largest one. But since that, before that time, <clears throat> well, there was a H1N1 also. Um, and 
than the original SARS in 2003. So that's uh, SARS-CoV. That's no it. No, two. Right. <laughs> so that's the original SARS, which, if you happen to live in Canada and SARS because it was in Toronto, uh, I think most people have uh, immunity to SARS CoV 2 if they were exposed to SARS CoV. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the um, longitudinal studies on these individuals have shown a lot of the same data that we're seeing now from people who are diagnosed with COVID-19. Um, so these would be symptoms that we classify as mental health symptoms. Mm. So we get into all behaviors are biological in this sense. And they're biological because inflammation causes what we see as a manifestation of mental health or psychiatric disorders. Okay, so- well, oh, wait. Let's go back to that point real quick. So all behaviors are biological as opposed to previous or current thoughts that. Use your will. Why don't you just like pull up your bootstraps and get through this? Come on. Let me motivate your ass right through it. We can do this together. It's right. Like, that's the yeah, extreme. So that's the extreme. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's I call that like uh, right wing recovery stuff. Um, but this is, um, look, we don't tell anyone that's depressed to turn their will and their life over the care of God as we understand God. We don't do that. If addiction is a mental health psychiatric disorder, then why are we doing that? Well, because that's what was before us and nobody found a better way. That's would be my instant reaction to that. So. Yeah. And, and on a grand scale, this is on like we're talking macro terms, too. Right. Okay. So I missed. I missed what just. What did. What did we just say? He was talking to us. He said words. Yeah. Come on, don't be a brat. <laughs> no, it, 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 no. Okay. So, uh, what I was saying is that Mike was talking about. So all behaviors are biological yeah. as opposed to what, and as opposed to if you just, like, if you can think your way out of these types of mental health uh, conditions, like behavioral, mal maladaptive behavioral patterns or psychiatric illnesses. Now you can't just like will yourself out of those. Oh, and addiction yeah. is a, it's a psychiatric illness according to the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. There's been four previous versions, the five being the fifth volume. There great. has been four. Yeah. And, so, and they yeah. all change. What? And we all, by the way, for those of you who don't know, the, some of the things that are in it now uh, weren't in it prior, and some things that used to be in it are no longer in it. So it just right. changes with the times and the trends, and it doesn't mean it's a legit and vital manual for those that are working people in mental health fields. Um, right. So let me help you out with something here. I think this is important. Um. This is uh, this book. Genes, brain function, and behavior. What genes do, how they malfunction, and what ways to repair damage by someone named Douglas Walston. Okay. Next book club book? 
This is a textbook. Yeah. I don't think that's gonna, yeah, it looks okay. like a textbook. I bought this at the um, Society for Neuroscience Conference. So, um, okay, this is uh, the clinical interview and diagnosis, comparing systems. All right, that's a, that's a chapter here. Okay, so uh, DSM critiques, internal. Uh, despite many revisions and refinements, the DSM system, the field of mental health, shows little evidence of progress over several decades and clearly lags behind most other fields in medical science. Huh. Um, it is generally acknowledged that mortality, mortality from mental disorders has not declined nor has the general prevalence of DSM diagnosis. Uh, there are no effective clinical tests for mental health disorders and no preventative interventions. Serious doubts exist among experts about the clinical validity and utility of the DSM. Doubts that have been uh, relived by periodic, or sorry, revealed by periodic changes in definitions. Um, in his story of DSM, Shorter, 2015, I'm not sure who that is, um, observed that questions are starting to be asked about whether this massive venture is on the right track. Wow. And so what they say here is that although changes have been made to wording, um, more precise changes should occur. Um, serious problems with validity continue to persist. Consequently, the National Institute of Mental Health has put forth an alternative approach. Uh, the research diagnostic criteria, or the RDOC, that views the mind as having several overlapping dimensions with many graduations and no sharp boundaries. Okay, so they're trying to implement this um, the announcement of this goal and this project um, is to devise a biologically based diagnostic system wherein there are demonstrable connections between genetic abnormalities, brain functions, and diagnosis. This is okay, like wait, wait, a long-term project. So let's kind of break that down there. So wh what is this getting at here for people who don't understand? Or I don't understand all of it but i understand that it's basically not pleased with the dsm and calls it a failure in a sense in terms of being a long-term project yeah this is uh the internal review um the external review of the dsm from the uh who is this uh the british um psychological association and the society for humanistic psychology they say there's four main issues here. And this, again, what behavior, all behaviors are biological. This is where this is coming from. Just to, you know, bring it back, put it in context. Uh, number one, uh, the changes to the DSM tend to lower the diagnostic threshold, which will inflate the prevalence of many disorders. This will lead to excessive medicalization and stigmatization of transient human distress. Transient about. mean comes and goes or brief. Yeah. Okay. Number two, these changes emphasize biological causes and encourage the overuse of medications. 
And that's why we've been having such a problem with the opioids, right? Is that part of it? Uh, that is a whole nother story, but that is yeah. part of it. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah that's okay. part of it. It is. I actually yeah. thought of depression meds. I actually thought of like SSRIs, but anyways, keep going. So. Yeah. Opioids, a, a great antidepressant. It is. I know from experience. It was they used worked to great. Worked yeah, great for a while. A bit more. <laughs> um, so <laughs> number three, new diagnostic categories are introduced without substantial scientific evidence. Yeah, I think that's a really big thing here. So real quick, for everybody who doesn't know or you've been listening to this, you're like, what's happening? The DSM and the five, DSMV, the fifth version right now, it's a crucial manual that people use to diagnose people. It's a criteria that's supposed to be universal to the field of mental health counseling, psychology, psychiatry, all of these fields where people get diagnosed with mental health disorders. And yeah. if this is the basis for it, and these are the damning kind of analysis and challenges to the fact that this thing might not be all it's cracked up to be. So that's what we're trying to get to at right now. Okay. Thank that, you. Mike. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. That's so important on um, part four and then why that's so important. Cause this is very, this is highly important too. The, the last part here is language in the DSM five de-emphasizes social and psychological explanations while regarding a socio-political deviance as a form of neuropathology. It's a, that's a mouthful, right? That's a lot. Okay, so what they're saying is that the language in the DSM-5 de-emphasizes social and psychological explanations for things, so the way that we interact with each other and the thoughts that we have, and it emphasizes sociopolitical deviance. So if I go against what is the norm, and it says as a form of neuropathology, then I have a pathological or pathology is the course of suffering. It means I have a disease that will never go away because I go against the cultural norm. Oh. Wow. This is from, again, the British Psychological Association. Why is this important, right? Yeah. So one in five people, 20% of people um, who are diagnosed with COVID or who are positive for COVID-19 after 90 days are diagnosed with a psychiatric illness. Ooh. One in five. What? So when you're looking at the rates of death, you're looking at the wrong thing. Look at the rates of recovery. Right. Why? Because then you know how many people um, have a neurological disorder or a psychiatric disorder that are now starting to, that will manifest in ways where they're not able um, to function very well within society. So it's not, it, the people who die, don't get me wrong, this is horrible, this is sad. This right. will be the leading cause of death in the United States. It's almost there, it's passing heart disease. But the real fallout for 2020 into 2021 are these neurological effects that manifest as what we call mental health disorders or psychiatric disorders. If we don't understand anything that I just said and we think we should just will our way like out of this stuff, we're in for a world of hurt. Well, I think that's an extreme version of it. I, 
there's obviously assistance required and people know that COVID is not everyone knows. I don't want <clears throat> to go into the political debates about COVID and make it a political thing. We're talking about COVID and neurological damage. Is, is that what you're also saying here is that people, not just, <clears throat> not just all of these mental illnesses, but COVID specifically could be related to these neurological issues that lead to mental illness. Anything that's a psychiatric condition is, a, is biological, meaning that it's from an infection or it's from, it's from inflammation from the gut microbiome. So you're either allergic to something in your environment that's causing inflammation within the nervous system or the immune system, leading to swelling or inflammation within the brain, um, and then classified as a mental illness, which there's no validity to. And then also you become socially deviant. So now you've yeah. got all this other stuff going on too, right? You thought you're just like allergic to dust and, uh, you know, oh, I don't know what's happening or I eat sugar and I go psychotic, right? <laughs> like, oh, what's wrong with this guy? I'm just eating sugar. Oh, it's wrong here. Well, I eat sugar. I go nuts. You know, that's why I don't usually do it. Right. So it's like, uh, you know, like what's going on? So it's a biological mechanism. So mm. with um, there's many, many studies out there that have shown this. So something that occurs in our environment that infects our body causes these behaviors and they manifest as what we call um, mental illness. So the study that was done by Lancet Psychiatry um, showed that one in five people who have COVID-19 and are still alive will develop a psychiatric illness after 90 days. You know how many people in the world have COVID-19? Has anyone looked at the numbers today? No, go ahead. 70, 70 million? Wow. Around there, like 16 million in the United States. Wow. So this is, knowing this, it's probably good to what? To, if you get diagnosed with it, to start seeing a at least being aware that that could happen or because here's the other thing that I'd be worried about is like the hypochondria part of it that like, Oh my God, now I have, am I going to be, and then you start like overanalyzing the, the way that you're thinking and doing. So what are some of the, like, would you be able to let the listeners know of some things to be kind of cognizant of and aware of going forward if they did get diagnosed? Yeah. So, I mean, it's anything that would be a, a shift in what would be your normal um, behavioral patterns or thought patterns. So I work with a lot of people who have these like spontaneous panic attacks now, or um, the smallest amount of stress will send them um, just into overload okay. and they can't manage it and can't function it or they can't function and they can't cope with it. And they're having a really hard time regulating themselves. And they tell me, I didn't used to be like this. I don't know what happened. And then I say, oh, okay, have you been sick in the past year? Have you had like the flu or did you get a cold or anything? And I'm trying to find out if they had some symptoms of COVID-19 or if they were actually diagnosed with it, because that's most likely the cause. Um, right now, first or frontline treatment for pharmacology um, says uh, fluoxetine, which is known as Prozac, that is the first line treatment for COVID-19. Why? Because they know that the brain is going to swell like the rest of the body from the inflammation. And um, 
it's a it's a neural network. It, it's a um, sorry, it's circuitry. It's specific circuitry that causes depression. So if you can keep those circuits open with flexibility, this is where psychological flexibility comes into play. And SSRIs do this. So does psilocybin. That's why these psychedelics work so well because they work on the serotonin A2 receptors and keeps everything connected. So the flexibility allows them to not fall into the depression and have the anxiety and have those rigid behaviors. Um, so I would say watch, just have, make sure people around you, if they point anything out, you know, just be aware that this could be, a, this could be something that happens, not that something will happen. We have a question here. Could those panic attacks be due to being restricted these days? Is that a yes. like a, now? Now that we're being mm-hmm. so okay, one hundred percent. So what do they say? Uh, what's the number one cause of death? Stress, heart disease. So it so it was. It's, now it's becoming number two. So what is heart disease? It's stress. What is stress? It's inflammation. Okay. So psychosocial stress, what you think and how you interact with people produces a stress response, which produces something called cortisol. You're not going to will your way out of this. Cortisol will be produced. And when you, that happens chronically, now you have an inflamed nervous system, probably a dysbiotic microbiome, which means that like you're gut microbiome is not balanced and that will cause you to have a lot of the same symptoms. So yeah, um, restrictions can do that, but again, it's about framing it. So social restrictions can cause a lot of the um, effects of, uh, well, psychiatric or mental health conditions too. Um, So it's about connecting again. Okay, it's all about connecting. See, Leanne? That's why we do that on the First Day Pod. We are so dedicated to connecting with you, reaching out to other people. We got Matthew Govier with us, licensed professional, certified mental health counselor, many other titles. uh, Well, not titles, but qualifications. Matt has a lot of experience, and he is joining us now, giving us a little bit of that. He's giving us some insight, which is great. And that's why we started doing the show, Leanne, remember? Mm -hmm. Way back in uh, February, we did our little first episode for the hell of it it was terrible audio now we've come a long way look we're on live tv right now and live, huh? i was like why do they do this live like if they didn't do it live you could edit it <laughs> well yeah it we is. still edit the podcast is not always the same as this sometimes we trim down the podcast but uh here's a question uh this is a question that uh from someone who says can COVID 19 exacerbate an underlying neurological disorder or cause a neurological disorder um well, sure, because uh, when we talk about neurological disorders, what are we talking about? Um, so we, so a neurological disorder could be a psychiatric disorder. It could be the same thing. Um, so like inflammation um, contributes to things uh, like Alzheimer's disease, different forms of dementia, things like that. So we're talking about neurological, right? Or um, we could talk about like uh, encephalitis of some type or like hydroencephalitis, which would be like uh, – water on the brain. So if you have water on the brain, there's pressure there. And then if you come down, if you have COVID-19 and you have a hyperinflammatory response, that's more pressure. So if you have a predisposition to a neurological or psychiatric condition, then 
the environment, internal or external, this case internal being COVID-19, um, multiplying throughout the body can exacerbate that. Um, so there's no studies that I've seen so far that say that the severity of symptoms are worse. I have not seen that. It's just that if they're onset or not. And ah, it, good and question. Is it? Okay, so you might have just answered this because I was thinking about the question and then so I might have like missed part of the answer. So if you are, you have COVID, but you have zero symptoms, like you got a test, it says you've got it, but then you're like, I never felt sick. Is, is the same inflammation happening in your body, even if outwardly you don't have the outwardly symptoms that like, and so the 20%, does that still affect you potentially or no? Uh, potentially. So not according to the study that okay. they um, conducted at, uh, this is out of uh, Lancet Psychiatry from November of just last year, or sorry, November of this year of 2020. So that's not in the study. Um, but there was a study that was conducted by, I will tell you here, this is... This is why I love you, Matt, that you're not just like, well, I think it would probably. You're like, wait, no, there's another study that I can bring yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, tell you something like, uh, so hard to like, lie. So it's like, I don't even know. I just find the answer. So it's like, it take me three years to make up a lie. Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with saying, I don't know, too. I, I do know. That. That's the thing, though. I no, I know. You. I'm not saying you don't. I always used to say that as a teacher. It's okay to say I don't know. I would tell my students, I don't know. I don't know. Why don't you tell me? We'll find out the answer. I don't know. No, I do. So this one is, uh, okay, so uh, according to um, uh, Nature Neurology, uh, March 2019, uh, it says chronic inflammation and latent infections. Okay, so that could be like asymptomatic okay. infections mm -hmm. have shown to cause higher order network disturbances within the brain right. and cause impairment in behavior including impulsivity and risk-taking. Okay. There you go, Leanne. Yeah. I do know that. That was a great question. I, I hadn't actually thought of that, and there is important differences in the details there that do matter, so good call. Um, okay, wow. God, time is just flying by here on the first day pod. We are joined by Matthew Govier, of course. Don't forget, behavioralhealthlabs.com, matthewgovier.com. That's G-O-V as in Victor, I-E-R, if you are listening to the podcast. I want to kind of go back. I know we talked about COVID and COVID's a big deal. One thing I want to ask you a quick that we didn't cover, I believe. What about the stresses of COVID? Not getting COVID exactly, but the fear and the mental health exhaustion that is created by an increased fear of the unknown of possibly becoming ill uh, being, and not knowing the long-term effects still uh, or just being cooped up in the house. For a lot of people who've lost their jobs, job loss. There's so many factors here. What kind of what kind of hope can you give people that are really struggling at home right now? Yeah. So this phrase comes out of Zen, Zen Buddhism, um, says all fear is an illusion. Walk through it. You know, easier said than done. Right. Uh, yeah. But that's the art of meditation in itself. Um, it's so shadow pandemics and things of this nature, are what you're talking about, that's what they're called. And it's interesting that they're called shadow pandemics, um, uh, because it's scared of your shadow. 
Well, all right. So this is again what Jung talked about is the shadow side, the shadow side of ourselves. In the context of the shadow pandemic, it's that these pandemics are happening too, but they're being overshadowed by the larger pandemic. Mm-hmm. But this, the COVID-19 crisis seems to bring up the shadow side of us that we don't like to see. So we go back, go back to where we started at the beginning with the uh, denial. Okay, so that which we deny um, or what we resist will persist is the axiom there. All right, so what that means is that if we're not paying attention to the um, the things that cause us uh, pain, so to speak, psycholog- psychological and biological pain are the same centers within the brain. So if we're not paying attention, we're not honoring that, um, then it can come up and it can cause a lot of this uh, fear and um lead to everything else that we talked about as far as like um, different um, behavioral problems and depression and things of that nature. So I think it forces everyone to take a good look at themselves and it holds the mirror up. And if you don't like what's in the mirror, you have the power to change that. That's the cool thing about the mirror. The mirror is like the data. It doesn't lie. It just reflects back to you what's going on. And then it becomes your choice. That's Mm. powerful. That's beautiful. Yeah, I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. Another thing. Oh, okay. Okay, so we're going to kind of move away from COVID-19. It's a big deal. Not minimizing that. But there's something you're talking about. What's that? No, I'm just joking. (laughs) What'd you say? I didn't hear you. COVID-20. Oh boy, yeah. COVID twenty. Stay there's tuned. No thing. I'm just kidding. I know there's not. Uh, I will tell you this. You were talking about the behaviors and the biological nature of behaviors, which is not something that is like universally accepted, correct? Correct. Right. I want that to be clear. But you also mentioned in your breakdown of the DSS DSF five and the criticisms of it from the textbook, or not criticisms, but maybe some commentary at the very least that medicine and this reliance on medicine is a good thing, but then there also seems to be a fine line. Because I know Leanne, Leanne, it, Leanne fears medicine sometimes. She fears the use of medication sometimes. I don't think I'm lying, am I? I don't fear it. I just choose to work through it if I don't. But no, I am, yes, yes. Not you fear it literally, but you fear the impact of it that it has ancillary negative outcomes on yes. your body, things like yes. that. Right. Yes. Like I and needed then, to have penicillin, but I was really afraid what it was going to do for my gut. So then I had to look into that before I started using something. Okay. Right. So I haven't got to my, okay. So this is part of it though. And then there's these people, there's this big contingent I found on Twitter recently of SSRI. Like they, they call themselves almost like they're recovering from SSRI damages. These are antidepressants. Antidepressants, uh, serotonin, what, uptake inhibitors? Serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Serotonin reuptake inhibitors, uh, which is just a common, this is, you know, Celexa, there's Lexapro, uh, there's a ton of them. There's, all the, what's that? Prozac was the original. Prozac was the original. There you go. Antidepressants, okay, SSRIs. And these people are, have these huge threads and they're talking about the damage it did to them. And the, I wonder, 
not that you can speak to this in great detail, but I would like to get at least your thoughts. Are these people, are they bitter? Do you think there's a bitterness because like it didn't work they wanted to? Or was it, or is it possible that there are side effects of these things that are negative and we have to have a balance? I'm just wondering where you yeah. see the well, line I'm, here. I think it's really important to not, um, to not shame people who are already hurt. Um, okay. Um, to honor everyone's pain is their pain and it's very real for them. Um, the subjectivity, um, of pain is there. So we live in subjectivity, but we speak in terms of objectivity. This becomes the whole dichotomous world that we live in as people, which gets back to the beginning of how do you discern truth from falsehood in itself? Okay. So, this is part of the opioid epidemic. What's your pain level based on what? Well, whatever you say it is. Pick one through five. Does your face look like any of those emojis? Okay. You know, so it's, it's very subjective. And I wouldn't say that it's, I would say that what they're experiencing is quite real. And what I do know is that 60% uh yeah, so of SSRIs, um, people who are on depression, I should say, or people who are on depression, <laughs> like they get high on depression, right? So people do, they love it, like the martyr, the victim, you know, they're like, come on, you know, bring some more depression out here. There's a lot of great work that's come out of depression, so can't knock it completely. Yeah, yeah, it's done some good stuff, definitely. Um, but uh, everything's got its place, that's for sure. Yeah. Now, um, so... Of the treatment medications and um, therapeutics, SSRIs will work for 60% of the people with depression. Hmm. So we know that. Okay. Okay. Um, that means 40% of people they do not work for. It doesn't mean that they're still not having the effects, though. What do you mean? The effects of the drug. So the oh. drug is still producing what it's supposed to produce. It's just not alleviating the depression. Got it. So you could have a depressed person who remains depressed, but now goes through what's called, um, well, they could have serotonin syndrome where there's too much serotonin, which is becoming a big deal um, nowadays. We're seeing uh, not epidemic proportions, but pretty large proportions of that. Um, and then on top of that, um, they can go through um, this like withdrawal syndrome. So it's medication withdrawal syndrome um, while they're already depressed and they didn't get um, any treatment for the depression. So then they become more depressed. So we know that physical pain and psychological pain process in the same centers of the brain. So I would say the pain is quite real. <laughs> this is why you see psilocybin um, coming out in so many different studies as uh, being one of the uh, premier medications because it is medicine for treatment resistant depression. That's what that's called or refractatory depression. Ketamine is another outstanding medication for treatment resistant depression or refractatory depression. It actually relieves 95% um, of suicidal thoughts in people. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Is that one of the first, so, but that's not one of the first go-to 
for depression. <laughs> no, ketamine has a long history, Leanne. We don't have time to go into the whole detail. Oh, I don't uh, know. It's called Special K. It was used as a club drug, designer drug in the 90s. and But now it's an actual medicine. Originally, it's a horse tranquilizer, right? Is that fair well, to no, say? No, it's always been used as a medicine um, in um, anesthesiology. They use it all the time oh. to help with surgery. Okay. So it's a very strong sedative and disassociative. So like you take it and you don't know where you are. That's great if you're having surgery, right? Mm -hmm. It's not so great if you're like walking down the street. Right. So um, yeah. the the right the dose will either depending on the dose you could go into psychosis, you could hallucinate, you could fall into like a K hole where you're totally disconnected from reality, so you're disassociative, or it can work oh. as an antidepressant where it rearranges the neuron or it reconnects the neurons in the brain in a new way that creates psychological flexibility. So it connects areas of the brain that weren't connected before. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. So one dose. They can, you go into the hospital they're trying this at a couple of places uh, around in the United States, actually. So you go into the hospital and you say you're suicidal. No one's going to do that. Why? Because of ketamine's. No, no, no. Because no, they're afraid they're going to be locked up. Yeah, yeah, right? Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I'm not telling these people what I'm thinking because right. you know, they're just going to, like, send me the 72 hours, blah, blah, blah. So don't trust anybody. Right? Yeah. That's how it goes. And that's why people don't say it. So this I learned that one the hard way, didn't I, Matt? What's that? <laughs> I learned that one the hard way, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't, I could, you know, bullshit them. Or, uh, can I say that? Yeah, we're not. You can say whatever you want here. This is a free yeah. and open sensor free <laughs> but yeah so okay go ahead continue so they're, they're uh they're experimenting with this so people come in and they have suicidal thoughts to the er instead of uh going through the whole psych exam and then sending them out for 72 hour observation all this stuff which costs even more money is to provide them with a dose of ketamine keep them there for overnight maybe or it could be like six hours of observation make sure they're okay and then if it reduces suicidal thoughts by 95 percent, boom you're good you're right, though. The problem is already existing, though, because so much as damage has been done by the reputation and the stigma of saying you have suicidal thoughts. It's going to take years to undo that. Uh, is or a couple big people problem. go in and have that experience of getting that alleviated. Well, that'll start, too. But there's. Yeah, it's a combination of both. We do have a question here from Stephanie. She says, what would you be feeling with too much serotonin? I guess she's curious about that. I guess I am, too. Do we know the yeah. answer to that? Uh, it's subjective, you know, uh, so, um, what happens, so it can cause all kinds of, um, different effects on people. Some people get like this, um, they can get like a really stiff neck or like a tight jaw, like they can clench their teeth. And then what's, what's the clenching of the teeth or the jaw actually creates the stiff neck oh. and all that too. So that can be too much serotonin. Um, so a lot of like muscle tension can happen. Um, also, uh, it can be a feeling of, uh, it's like irritability, hmm. like very irritable. You could feel that way. Um, difficulty with sleeping, insomnia. Uh, those are some of the effects of, uh, too much serotonin. Good question. Great question. Thank you, Stephanie. There you go. I hope that helped. Um, yeah, I need to research yeah. some more though. We're talking with Matthew Govier, licensed professional counselor. One and only. Yes, he is my brother. We share the same last name. Uh, There's a few of me. Have you looked up yourself online? 
I was looking. Yeah, I googled you. There is many of you. There's some English versions of you, of course. Uh, yeah. Govier name is very popular in England. Yeah. Uh, I and, also uh, yeah. the just uh, the Great White North. Yeah. Oh. That's right. Hmm. Uh, oh, you're welcome, Stephanie. We're happy to help you. Thank you for uh, checking out the show. We're always here to help. Yeah. And of course, and, if you look, uh, this is uh, so. There's like a disclaimer we we'll put at the beginning of the show. So none of this constitutes as medical advice. If you're experiencing any type of symptoms or you have um, any, if anything's going on with you, seek professional advice from a behavioral and medical health professional, especially your own therapist or your primary healthcare provider. And if you don't have one? Then you should get one, right? Good. So call your right. insurance company. If you don't, if you have insurance, call your insurance company and your insurance company will direct you towards that care. If you don't have one, you could go to my website and you could sign up. Yeah, there you go. That's the plug, right? I get there it. You <laughs> Catch yeah, it up. Yeah, okay. Thank you. Yes, you can go to my website. And um, definitely I can help you out. And uh, we do free consultations. So we can help you with the consultation and then um, take on your case. If we're not able to, um, we'd steer you in the right direction. So whatever we can do to help. And that's why I feel so confident. And I've already like referred you to somebody else. Um, that's why I feel so confident about you. Cause I know that you wouldn't take something on that. You don't think that you would be able to be benefit the person like legit, not like, Oh, well, I'm going to just, we'll take you on for about eight sessions and then we'll see. Mm -hmm. And then I'll tell you, no, well, you sometimes, somebody else. sometimes insurance dictates how many sessions you can have. So yeah. Yeah. No, I like that you do the free consult first so you can really figure it out. And I, I haven't been through a free consult, but the way that you are, Matt, I'm sure that you like really dig in there to see and you can tell right away whether you're yeah, yeah. I mean, I know if I can help somebody or not. And even people I know that I can't help, I tell them I can't help you. Mm -hmm. and they're like, no, you can. I'm like, no, I can't. Like, really? <laughs> and they're like, argue with me and say, well, I want to hire you anyway. I'm like, <laughs> fine, that's okay. But we're going to keep in mind that I'm telling you right now that I can't ignore this and I can't help you and this is going to happen. Mm -hmm. so yeah. If you want to go ahead with it, sure. But these are my recommendations. I love it. Yeah, you definitely want to keep that in the counselor notes. No doubt about that. <laughs> All right. So, boy, time has flown by. Wow. This is the first day pod. We've been talking with Matthew Govier about mental health, COVID-19, neurological disorder scenario, possibilities, how to deal with the pandemic, shadow pandemics. What's behavior. That the list? What's yeah. that? Employment, right? Uh, she session. Mm. Oh. There's so much more that we have to touch yeah, on. Would so you come more, back? Everything. Of course, they'll come back. We'll get them back at some point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, as we kind of get to the end of the show here, Matt, is is there anything else you want to share with us? Anything that we didn't get a chance to cover? You'd least like to touch on as we end the year here. The Gregorian about, calendar about, is wrapping is wrapping up. So. Sorry, I'm going to keep cutting you off, Mike. I'm sorry. Um, what, about what? What, about what? what about something that you can leave people with going into 2021? Something that hopeful or something that they should be doing or something that would be helpful or. What did I write on the form? <laughs> you did. Yeah, he already, he already said the, you know. No, no, no I, I, I can. I know. It's, uh, it's a commitment. You talked about. We didn't talk much about uh, acceptance and commitment therapy. Do you want to touch on that a little bit before we go? Oh, no, that's that's what I was talking about with the value system. Mm -hmm. the, the so system that's pretty much an attachment to self and all that. Uh, okay. all right. um, so 
Yeah, no, and that that is so. Yeah, that's something definitely like moving into the new year. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of people have lost their job. A lot of people are transitioning. A lot of people don't have any money to do anything. Um, there's more people out there hurting than we really understand. And a lot of that comes from the attachment to an idea of self, but it also comes from the fact that they just don't have the funds to survive in the way that the system's set up. As Bernie Sanders said in 2016, the system is rigged. Now, I was like uh, just paying attention to my schooling at the time and I was finishing up a second internship and I really wasn't paying attention to anything on TV. But I remember hearing that and I thought to myself, the system's rigged. I'm like, don't we make the system? Like, what's he talking about? Um, no, context was saying that he was trying, he was saying that for the average person, it is. Um, I mean, he's a pretty honest guy from that sense. So what we have to understand is that <clears throat> to be better humans is the only way to survive any of this. More people will lose their jobs. More people will become, quote unquote, irrelevant. And when we place our relevancy on what we do and what we have, we move away from who we are and how we're actually being. And that's really important to know. AI can do my job. There's already AI programs that do my job way better than I do. So in order to survive moving forward, how do I be a better human? Mm. To be a better human is to live by what is inherently human, which are values. Yeah. So it's not data. It's not information. It's values. And when we're aligned with values, as I was saying before, that creates this sensation of like understanding who we are. Like I wrote on here, it's alignment with higher order thinking. That's what it comes down to. Thinking and feeling are not different. Thinking and emotion are not different. That's something we parsed out. So thinking and emotion are actually one thing that happened together. It's called psychology. We try to pull it apart. And the analogy that I've used before is like, my heart beats. But when you talk about your heart beating, it's implicitly um, known that it beats because it pumps blood. So when we say we think, that means we're actually having emotions also. So when we align ourselves with our values, our emotional and mental or cognitive state automatically align with that which we care the most about, which propels us forward into being better people. It takes us out of the lower vibratory um, levels of consciousness. And the pandemic's kind of done that to us. I've heard a lot of people say like they're prioritizing differently and they're seeing what really matters. And it's kind of, so that's kind of a nice thing that's come out of the pandemic. We'll see. I agree. You know what the Zen master said? What? We'll see. <laughs> yes. mm -hmm. also said we'll that. see. Oh, mm -hmm. Before you go, Rook, that was really well said, yes. man. Thanks. Yes. We didn't touch on this enough. We got to get your word on it real quick. Because I talked to several people today 
in many different Facebook groups about addiction and they're like, I, I'm like, I'm going clean today. Here I go. And like white knuckle time. And I just don't want that. I don't want, I believe so much in white knuckling to be one of the most ridiculous and terrible things you can try to do for yourself. Don't go cold Turkey, especially if it's an opioid situation, which most of these were opiate and opioid uh, addiction scenarios. I just wanted to get your reinforcement since you are a certified professional, because not that this is your opinion, but what you know that medical assisted treatment is the most effective way to go. So 12 step programs have a purpose and they can give you spiritual guidance and they bring community together in a good way, but they are not the solution. They, I believe that it should be incorporated in this MAT and 12 step. What are your thoughts on that before we wrap the show up? I think they actually have a um, program um, called the medication assisted treatment recovery in on in the rooms.com. There it is. A few years. We love in the rooms.com. In fact, I just gave a friend of mine in the rooms and he signed up and he actually goes to meetings awesome. uh, a couple times a week, right? Uh, over the last couple of weeks. So it, we so love in the rooms. So open. That's what you exposed me to. Yeah. There, there's so many different meetings. So something like that. Um, so, from strictly clinical perspective, like what are we looking at? What's the aim? What's the aim for each individual? So we have to figure out what their aim is. If they're aim is cold, cold turkey, um, cool, go ahead, do that. Um, let's look at the data and then let's look at what happens uh, 90 days, six months, and one year out. So the opioid epidemic, the 21-year opioid epidemic, which is um, death rates of death, excuse me, are up 12% over last year, 12.3%. Wow. Overdose rates are up 12.3% in the United States over last year. Again, shadow pandemic. Or shadow right, pandemic. another uh, unfortunate result of that. Yeah, yeah, so that's a lot. Um, suicide rates too, um, up a lot. So medication-assisted treatment for opioid use disorder um, is proven to reduce the rates of relapse by 90%. Huge. Wow. 12-step programs alone without medication-assisted treatment or any other type of therapy have... I did that earlier. Best bet yeah, was 11%, 11%, right? 11% efficacy um, with opioid use disorder. Wow. Right. And I can't even tell you the rate of mortality on it, but I know it's high. Wow. So... I, I've been on... MAT for over three years right here. Look at me. Just, I just want to give you an example. I'm not saying I'm better than anybody. I'm just one example. So mm -hmm. I, mean, I feel pretty good. My life's not perfect, but it's much, 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 much better than it was over three years ago. Yeah. We don't want to moralize a, um, no. any type of um, molecular process. No, it stabilized me though. And that's what allowed me to start functioning on a day-to-day -day level of things I couldn't do prior to not being stable. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. And that's what, so what it does is it takes you to a place where you can function. Um, whether the sky is blue or gray is not a moral issue. Um, the, the bioethics of uh, germline determinants of genomics and how that functions, that's a moral issue. Okay. Mm -hmm. The color of the sky is not a moral issue. It's not at all. Right. So the way that the molecule, the way that a medication-assisted treatment or a medication interacts with your biology 
and puts you to a place of stability where you're functioning in the world is not a moral issue either. You know, it's like, I know it's going to work. You can do what you want with it. That's on the person. That's their, that's their level of consciousness and understanding. Wow. Okay. Sounds hard hearted, but you know, it's like, what are you going to do? It's like, I think you're parsing it out and you're making it more uh, grounded. And I think that's what people need. And there's also, I mean, heightened sense of anxiety and unknowns and fears. When people are on the precipice of going into dope sickness, withdrawals, that's oh, yeah. uh, that's a frightening time. Yeah, it's like, you're right. Yeah, it's psychosis and delirium. Like COVID delirium. You get the same thing. Uh, So we do want to know that too, that if, uh, so with COVID-19, it will increase the rate of blood clotting disorders by fourfold. Okay. So, and it can cause a new blood clotting disorder. This thing does all kinds of stuff. It's so messed up. Now, if you are using uh, like IV drugs or anything like that, or if you're going through any type of withdrawal from any type of opioid, well, what's going on is there's a lot of strain on the heart and the cardiovascular system. Now, if you had COVID-19 or say you get sick and then you have it, and then there's this blood clotting issue going on too, and you're not even aware of it, this can lead to like transient strokes and things like that. So it's really dangerous. Wow. So, I mean, you definitely want to seek medical care and medical attention um, immediately if you're uh, deciding to stop. Um, you know, if you're using opioids and you're wanting to get off them and you're wanting to stop, um, seek out the care of a medical professional, go to my website. There's a lot of information on there. I'd be more than happy to talk to you. If you need a free consult, steer you in the right direction. Um, if you need medication assisted treatment, be more than happy to do that too. Um, you don't have to live like that anymore. And there's a way out of this treatments available. Treatment works. Mm -hmm. Sure does. Well said, brother. I agree completely. Thank you, Matt. Oh, this is so good. Yeah, we are really thrilled you came on, man. This is great. We'll have you back on whenever you feel like chatting. We'll You'll have some more data for us. Uh, maybe things to talk about in 2021. We're a few weeks away from the end of this year. And I know me and Leanne will be getting excited for our New Year's resolutions, right? Are you a big New Year's resolutions guy, Matt? um yeah whatever works i mean it works for you i mean i I think it's good to set goals um so i'm I'm more like goals like set goals um like to resolve right resolution so like when when you're trying to resolve something so i don't (laughs) i would say yeah those are all more goals really that's what they are yeah this is the board i showed a couple weeks ago (laughs) did the beginning of last year yeah, a podcast, and we did it. We did it. Hey. Oh, oh, it's like a bucket list, but a year list. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. yeah. No soda. I haven't had soda over nine months. So. Oh man, that's yeah. great. High fructose corn syrup will kill you. <laughs> it certainly will. Okay. Well, we're gonna end the show. This is the first day podcast. We thank Matthew Govier, licensed professional counselor so much for joining us giving us a wealth of knowledge this is the kind of podcast you're going to go to go back and you're going to want to listen to it twice because you want to make sure you don't miss any of the pieces of information that were shared on this show mm-hmm. and of course don't forget to go matthewgovier.com gov is in victor i-e-r behavioralhealthlabs.com leanne 
No, you. <laughs> no, you, the Canadians. That's right. This is the United States spelling of behavioral. Uh, Matt, thanks so much. We really appreciate you having on. Uh, yeah. We are grateful you joined us. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. It's an honor, and I appreciate the opportunity to share and to help. And that's why well, I do themes of the month, not really resolutions. So oh, the like theme it. of the month is uh, karma yoga, which karma yoga is selfless service to others. Beautiful. And, uh, this is selfless service. That's, well, that's like um, Thank that's you. Year-round theme. And what is your what's your topic going to be for this Friday coming up? Do you do you have the topic set up? Yeah, it's actually uh, 2020 and 2021 and clarity. It's called 2020 and 2021 clarity and lifting the veil. And then under uh, or before, sorry, after clarity, I have the word vidya, which vidya is a Sanskrit word. So this comes out of like the uh, yogic and uh, Vedic texts. Vidya is to have knowledge and clarity to see correctly. Avidya is lack of knowledge or unclarity. Oh. So video just sees what's there, right? So video. That's where it came from. Oh, cool. Well, I'll see you Friday. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that are listening to this that are going to tune in as well. So yeah, that's right. right on. I'll have to get that Zoom working, right? No. So, yeah. Well. Yeah, last week it was phenomenal. It was so good. Um, so thank yeah, you. and thank you to everybody that's been listening and all the questions. Um, it was so good. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, those are at 7 p.m., right? 7 p.m., yes. That's right. So don't forget, Friday, 7 p.m., you're stuck at home. Why not learn something? Get some information. Engage, too. You can ask questions. Don't forget. Do not forget. Thank you so much, Matt, Leanne. Uh, of course, you're the best. And we will see you guys next week as we end one step closer to 2021. Bye. Bye.